everybody. Welcome to another Parkport Podcast interview. This is Roy. Hope you're doing okay out there. Guest on this episode is Lawrence Gowan, who's the keyboardist for legendary band Styx. He's been in the band almost 25 years. They are constantly touring. They're hitting the road right now. As we speak, we were able to get Lawrence for a few minutes uh, between shows from his hotel room. Joining me on the podcast is a good friend, Jeff Wagner, who's a great author. He's been in the business forever. He's been on the podcast before, and he recently wrote a great book called Destination Oddward, which is a biography of Fate's Warning. So you might want to check that out if you're a Fate's Warning fan or a prog metal fan. It's really, really great. Just a reminder before you get started to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, also on progreport.com for all upcoming news, interviews, uh, tour announcements, videos, and everything going on. Uh, lots of great stuff coming out. The new Haken just came out. Uh, Riverside's on tour. Lots of stuff going on. So uh, with that said, let's get to the interview with Lawrence Gowan. Uh, well, Lawrence, great to meet you, man. Uh, I'm Roy. That's Jeff. Jeff Wagner Jeff. here with us. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lawrence. A pleasure. Hello. A real, a real pleasure. I just saw you in uh, Greensboro in January. Oh, uh, I, I, oh I was, I was, I was right in front of your 360 spinning keyboard and loving it, man. We were third row, and we, it was a fantastic show. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. I, I'm, yeah. I'm very glad to hear that. I, 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 I I'm always kind of like reluctant when I got to usually describe the show to people that haven't seen it is difficult but if you've seen it then you know what's what's going on uh, right on I, yeah i i've been singing your praises since i first saw you with sticks just a few years ago i i i, <laughs> I, I, I hadn't seen you for a long time you know from right. the point you, you joined sticks for years but um when i finally did i was just like i think i was like a one-man evangelist for for lawrence because i was like you got to just see you got not only do you have to see sticks but you got to see this guy and and i and i've been telling roy like this is and i'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass i just like uh, you know, this is the best thing that's happened to sticks in like well, 25 years. I, I'll give you a, a quick backstory of the last couple of weeks, Lawrence, which was, uh, Jeff, uh, he almost never does this, but he texted me after, right after the show, just going crazy about the concert and mentioning how he was right in front of you and you were amazing and, and all that. And then two weeks later, you know, we were able to arrange this thing. And I, and so I was like, I know who to call to join this. <laughs> Let me get Jeff on this that's one. That's great. That's fantastic. I, I'm looking forward to the thank you for that lovely review, Jeff. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the review from your cats at this point. Yeah, she's a, <laughs> she's, a she's more of a it. she's more of a Kansas fan, but I'm, I'm bringing her around. I'm, I'm bringing her around. She's you know? turned her back on sticks entirely. <laughs> yeah. To the point of no return. Oh, well, <laughs> right. I want to just quickly for people that aren't familiar with you, and I don't know who wouldn't be familiar with you now, uh, by this point. <laughs> Lots of people, Lawrence, you know. Um, but um Give a little brief kind of background of, of how, you know, your musical background before even Sticks, but then joining Sticks. Yeah. Okay. So briefly, uh, I'll go over. I, I became a professional musician at, at 19. I just got a, a degree in classical piano, and but it was all to basically hope, hoping I could play more like Wakeman and Elton and Keith Emerson and Tony Banks. <laughs> but anyway, so I started at 19. I started my first professional band. It was very much... Similar to what Sticks and Queen and maybe Genesis, yes, those progressive bands, but with a bit more pop sensibility or rock sensibility like Sticks and, and Queen had. And that band came out right at the height of the disco era, 1976. And then it, its demise was in 1981 when the punk era had completely 
obliterated anything of progressive rock coming getting getting signed to record labels band disbanded i i, I started making solo uh, demos and i got a record deal with columbia records in 1981 my first album came out in 82 and from 82 to 99 those 14 whatever that is 14 15 16 years um 17 years i did six studio albums uh and in, in, in canada my records were only released you know, properly in Canada, they would be available in import bins around in the rest of the world. But in Canada, they, I, I achieved four platinum records and three gold records and people just knew my stuff. And I was on TV all the time because in the 80s, I had these uh, videos that were MTV actually played one, I think, twice. And it's it's from my it surprises me when people go, I saw you. I saw that video on MTV. I mean, wow, the 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 impact of that just, I think it was played probably 3 a.m. <laughs> and it's still amazing how many people uh, to this day have said, I saw that video, the one where you turn into a cartoon. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Anyway, in 1997, uh, I got to do a show with Sticks. I hadn't opened for anyone in Canada since Supertramp in 85, early 85. And, uh, but I was doing a, a, a completely solo piano tour uh and you know promoter had promoted me before yeah, solo piano tour. and <laughs> it was uh it was a fortuitous night because the audience really responded great to my to my material they knew it intimately well and then the stick show i saw was spectacular i really enjoyed them and uh so that was kind of the connection there in 97 and in 99 they called and asked me to join the band, and I've been with them now twenty four years, going to year twenty, starting year twenty five in about a month. So. <laughs> I wanted to ask you also. So recently, uh, you guys put out Crash of the Crown, yes. which uh, absolutely one of my favorite albums of the year. It was really spectacular, and I was raving to everybody that you have to hear this album. I think it's one of the best albums the band has ever done. Um, talk about making that record like you i mean because you were actively involved and in, you you have lead vocals all over that thing and and it's uh you know talk about that record and working on that one a little bit sure um you know things in the recording part of sticks really clicked in for us uh, i'd say in around 20 around 2014 when they re-signed with universal um there, there, there was a, a renewed interest in the album as an as an art form. You know these vinyl stores that were once the domain just of of the kind of hipsters <laughs> broadened, and suddenly people wanted to hear albums and wanted their vinyl back again, and they wanted some new things on vinyl, and that sort of opened the door to us making a, a complete album that really focused had no focus on any sort of single or any you know lead track or anything of that nature at all but instead kind of was in the tradition of a, of a classic rock album from you know from the 70s mainly 70s 80s and um we tommy had worked with this fellow willie vankovich and he became it was a great musical uh partner he co-wrote and he produced the first album we did together was the mission and at arm's length, he really was able to kind of pull together the what he felt were the strongest elements of the uh, of of the cohesive unit of the band from what he knew, knew of our live shows, and the mission was very successful. We wound up playing shows in Las Vegas and Boston and New York, 
uh, of just that album in, in its entirety. And that opened the door to us making Crash of the Crown. So uh, again, Will was uh, on board as the producer and co-writer. And uh, by the time we finished the record and went through the, the pandemic period of 2020, we realized, why don't we just make him a member of the band so we can, you know, he's going to keep us musically kind of focused on the new material and how, how it connects, we hope, seamlessly with the classic material that the band had, had produced uh, decades ago. And, you know, we were stunned, elated, you know, ecstatically happy that, that the album, when we went back on the road in 2021, Crash to the Crown, uh, Billboard now have a rock album chart right they've they've you know music's been so dissected into various sectors and we went to number one on that chart which was a astounding thing for the band to achieve in its 50th year of, of existence no I, I want to say you know i think i'm sure you've said this in many interviews before that i haven't read but I, you know i love that jy and tommy um give you so much latitude with writing and performing um obviously you're not just kind of a side guy you you are you know just as upfront as they are even you know them being you know jy obviously an original member tommy shaw yeah. we don't need to uh, no it needs no introduction but they they seem to give you the latitude has it always been like that in the band like the moment you came in like you you know quite honestly jeff they they gave me the latitude right from the very beginning in that they decided that they didn't want to try to extend the life of the band by having a sound alike or look alike or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, they, they really knew that I had, I had my own, you know, personality, I suppose, and, and manner of singing. And I couldn't do an impression anyway, if I, even if I wanted to. So um, they gave me that. Now that, that entailed that, you know, I was able to bring my spinning piano and all that, all those, those things that I like to use on stage. But um I have to say that it, it took a while for me to, it, it, the, the integration into the live show was, was pretty seamless in a way. I think I can't remember any big bumps in the road there. There were a few, a few things that we had to kind of uh, re reconfigure, but, um, but becoming a member of a band after you've had a long solo career, that was more of a learning curve for me, not for them. They don't mm. been doing it for decades. Um, and so I had to kind of, figure that out and I, I i think i really that's why i stressed the last the two most recent the last 10 years really um i think that's where i finally found how to integrate whatever gifts i can bring to the band how to integrate them into the 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 overall um mindset or spirit of what the band is as a recording entity and uh so that i think i think that's that's my kind of best contribution to the band was figuring out how I could work myself into the the fabric of what it is yeah well it I mean it's worked it's it's worked brilliantly because you know you they let you be your own man yet it still sticks it's it's like you kind of understand what this band is about and you you exert your personality into it and it's just um it's seamless and it's beautiful I um I, I I couldn't be happier for where Sticks is okay. just as a fan right now. Um, I'm, so happy. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that. You know, I've had similar experiences where, where bands have to change, particularly a front member or, or a member that's really pivotal to the, to the um, spirit of the band. And I think that one of the, one of the more successful ways of, of achieving that um, I've seen it's been done, right. It's been done where, 
the, the, the personnel changes, but the spirit of the band somehow almost miraculously can, re can remain intact. And two, my two main examples I usually go to, 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 uh, to, to exemplify that would be about five years ago, maybe six years ago, I was at the Rolling, uh, Rolling Stones concert and they had the big runway and, you know, where, so I had a good seat and, you know, Mick comes by and then Keith comes by and then, and then Ron Wood came by and I looked at Ron Wood and I thought, this guy has got such a legacy of, of stuff that he's done outside the Rolling Stones, but he's every bit as much a Rolling Stone as anyone that's ever been in that band. I mean, he's the third guitarist. He's not the second, he's the third. And I'm thinking of, you know, Brian Jones and then Mick Taylor, who made stellar contributions. I mean, there wouldn't be a band, I don't think, without Brian Jones. And then Mick Taylor was in the biggest material they ever did with, with Sticky Fingers and uh, Exile on Main Street. And yet Ron Wood, he exemplifies or he just he lives breathes and sweats the the spirit of what the rolling stones is and i thought that's why that's worked the somehow the spirit of this band survived that and i think the same could be said for genesis which is even more miraculous because that was a pivotal front member and i re remember in my own uh, little story of my love for that band being so so negative at first about the fact that the drummer whose name I didn't know was going <laughs> to. I had a friend of mine, in fact, a friend, a very close friend of mine from high school, kept saying to me, a "Trick of the Tail is the best album they've made," and I just thought, "Don't be ridiculous. They don't have Peter Gabriel now, right?" And by that time, I'd even got. By the time he kept saying that, I had the first Gabriel album, which I just was like, "Oh, thank God he left that band. He's so great on his own." And you know, and then finally, I listened to Trick of the Tail. I was like, "Hmm, yeah." And then he goes, "Got an extra ticket if you want to see him." I was like, <laughs> "Okay." So I saw the Seconds Out tour, and I saw that you know Phil Collins was every bit the front man that that band needed a complete entity unto his own and yet connected to the Peter Gabriel spirit of that band. I mean, he still, he had his own way of, of, of presenting the theatrics that were necessary, like in Supper's Ready and songs like that. And, and yet he brought it to a, a different place. And so I, in some ways, I think, not that I'm comparing myself to those two, but in some way, the spirit of what I think I brought into sticks helped to extend the life of the band. And that's, you know, like I say, it's been done and, and I think it's been done well when people don't try to uh, emulate or, or do an impression of, of what preceded them. Yeah, I think I've come around on that as well over over the last, you know, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years when you've had all these other bands that for whatever reason, maybe a band member passed away, maybe a band member left, whatever the case is. You know, yeah. you have you have Yes continuing. You have Kansas, you know, had, that has put in members over decades. Yeah. All the you know, yeah. and after seeing even uh, you guys recently over the last few years and seeing Kansas and hearing their new music and your new music, I, I came to the realization that who cares? You know, it it, it continues it, and it should be it's music that's celebrated and it gives other generations the opportunity to to get to know the music and. I think it's all great. And if it's done, like you said, with the right spirit and attitude, um, I've enjoyed new music by by you guys and by Kansas and by Yes yeah. and seeing the band's tour. I just saw Yes, I don't know, three, four months ago, and they were amazing. It was a yeah. great show. So, you know what I mean? Speaking of Yes, around 1990, th th this all ties together in this thing. 
around 1990, I read an interview, I think it was in Melody Maker with Rick Wakeman, you know, one of my favorite keyboard players, obviously. Um, and in this article, the question was, does it bother you that other members have come into the band or, you know, or do you still think of yourself as being one of the, the pivotal five, you know, that, that are really the, you know, cause he's on the biggest records and his answer back then, uh, it kind of surprised me. His answer was, doesn't bother me in the least. In fact, there'll be a yes in a hundred years from now. Hmm. And I thought, What's he talking about? And I'm reading, he says, 200 years, and even the even the writer was saying, how can that be possible? I mean, you'll all be gone, most likely. And he said, no, there'll be a yes. There'll be a yes that goes on because this is the, it's been proven totally right. This is the, you know, the big musical statement of the last half of the 20th century is, is classic rock. We've witnessed that now. It's outlived the, the expected shelf life, you know, <laughs> expired a long time ago, and it's still going very strong. But he said, he made this analogy. 200 years ago, there was a London symphony and they played Beethoven. And today there's a London symphony and guess what they play? They play Beethoven, <laughs> right? And it's down to the listener or the whoever is the, 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 the individual to decide, well, I like this version or I don't like this version. So it's ent entirely a subjective thing. But at the time that I read that, I thought he's way off the mark. And now, of course, I've seen no, he was right on the money. It is exactly what has happened. These, th this music is going is is going on. And if you, um, if somehow the spirit of that original um, marker, you know, the the original name, the original spirit of that band, as long as that remains intact, I think it's a viable thing to say that that is that band. And I love listening to old stick stuff too. And I listen to it and kind of go, man, that was great. And we and I acknowledge obviously that. The band is what it is today because of the efforts of everyone that's ever been in it. And that's only at this point now, it's only 11 people over 51 years. We are at this interesting cusp where like we have a yes going around that technically doesn't have any original members. I mean, how came in on the third album, right. you know, Peter, that's Banks, right. is, Peter that's Banks is the original guitarist. And right. yeah, you know, and, and unfortunately, obviously death has happened to that band. And, uh, yeah. but we're, we're at an interesting apex where like, we are going to see bands more like, yes, we're, yeah, maybe not even any original members, but if the essence is still there, yeah, people are still coming to see it. Like you know, again, we we throw out the we've been throwing out the example of Sticks in Kansas, two bands that I think are are just as strong as they've ever been, um, and still putting out viable new material. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, we'll see where this goes. Well, you yeah. also have you know uh, to throw one more band in there, Foreigner, that has had an original member forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they're doing just fine. So uh, they, they I, are. I think it comes I, I down actually, to the music. I, you know, it's funny. Foreign is a good, another great example. I, when an album I had in 1985 was really starting to bust out and it looked, it looked like Columbia Records was going to release it in the States. And, and just on import, I had, I had gotten into the top 20 in a couple of markets and one was Cleveland. And so I went and uh, they, I, I was asked to open the show for Foreigner on Foreigner 4. And they were great, but the foreigner we play with today just as great. I can't, I can't really distinguish right. between the two and say, "Oh, it's a shame they've really let let it." Uh, you know, it, it hasn't drifted at all. And in some ways, they play the songs even more exact because they've got a couple of extra guys in the band that really uh, can can fill out the sound even even more. So that's that's another great example. 
when you uh, are touring in in whatever market, um, do you notice uh, uh, certain songs resonate more uh, yeah. that you play? And and is it is it this typical like "Come Sail Away" or is there other ones that that you you're surprised to find out that's the real audience kind of uh, pleaser track? Do you know what's amazing is about on any given night. I don't know if you noticed this, Jeff, at your at the show you saw in, in Greensboro, but on any given night as much as half of the audience can be under 40, let's say 40. And of that, maybe two thirds, maybe even sometimes three quarters of them could be under 30, you know? And they know the songs intimately well. And because they weren't inundated with the radio airplay, they're not as galvanized. They're not as, they're not as stuck on, you know, blue collar man and come sail away and renegade. I am amazed to find it's for a lot of, you know, we're calling them the newer listeners, you know, although right. the, the songs like Man in the Wilderness might be their favorite song. Or they might go, this is where this is what I really began to notice after 2017 with the mission. They might, they might jump up and down just as much about radio silence as they do about Crystal Ball, because they don't have that delineation of these are the yeah. songs I heard on the radio over and over and over. So these are my faves. They've gone into the albums and they've found other songs in there that really have risen to their, you know, to, to resonate with them. I was eyewitness to that in Greensboro. I was, uh, we were, my wife and I were next to a couple over here and a couple over here. Yeah. And this couple on our right were like, they couldn't have been out of, out of their twenties. Right. And they had stick shirts on and they right. knew, they knew not only the older music, but they knew stuff from the new album. And right. I love, I love to see that. You know what yeah. I mean? I love to see these people who weren't even born when uh, freaking Kilroy was out. You know what I mean? Like they, these, right. these are, these are really young folks, you know? And, and um they they come with a really it's it's amazing it's amazing I love it and and oh that night fooling yourself I don't know why but like in Greensboro it's I was looking around like looking behind me going this place is lighting up for fooling yourself like yeah, who knew right. it, it was like that was the hit of the night like it was exactly. it was great yeah it was great very very often that happens and that uh, that's I'm I'm so glad you saw that because that's you know I keep saying to people uh, you know if they if they haven't seen sticks ever I say. I have no hesitation in telling you that you will enjoy the experience of seeing this band live. Oh yeah. I, I, there's, there's something that happens. There's a, there's a chemical thing that they can do. Well, I mean, I just witnessed it last night. There were a couple of guys in front, right in front of where I was that were, they were freaking out to, to a degree and they were maybe early thirties at the most, um, but still not born with the biggest, uh, albums of the classic rock era came out. Absolutely, you know, they looked like myself at a, you know, at a Yes concert in like 1978. You know, frothing at the mouth with with enthusiasm <laughs> that I just like unbridled. You know, completely a total abandon at, at what this is doing to me. You know, I remember being at uh, even 74. I think of like said. Tales of Topographic Oceans that, you know, just hearing that live, you know, blew my mind, you know, anyway. Yeah. And they, they were just I, very I will, I will give you guys a lot of credit for uh, pushing forward with playing new material in your shows. And cause I think that's something that I'd love to see more bands that have been around with, with a lot of hits and certainly don't need to put a new material in the show. Um, I love hearing new songs and I think yeah. you guys don't, don't do just one. You, you do three, four, five sometimes. Um, which I think is great. The trick 
if there's a trick is first of all have a really good song that can stand <laughs> right. that precedes it and, that, and follows it that's that's the tallest order but the second part is there's a way that you can present it in the show and you would have seen this jeff where we kind of seamlessly blend them in with the you know not, not necessarily make a big delineation of you know um let the material for example okay um we do a new a new piece called if it was in the show the other night uh, sound the alarm which dovetails straight into crystal ball they're 40 they're separated by 46 years and yet one is very complementary to the other uh that's that to me is a, a really useful thing in these shows in the last couple of weeks we've been opening with a, a piece from crash the crown called a monster and that's a great opener that's a real plot real statement but that before you even know that you've gotten halfway into that song blue collar man is kicked in and so it just right it pulls the present and the past in, into close proximity enough that the listener is not jarred by something new uh, instead it's it's integrated into what in, in, into what they know of that sound that they're looking for yeah i always thought it was weird when a when a band would come out and say and now we're going to play three or four songs from our new album that's the worst thing you can do because <laughs> then everybody goes, all right, then we'll be back in 20 minutes. And everybody right. gets a finish. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. And, and look, we, from the stage, you know, we say the audience is a show as well. And if we see, if we see any movement of that, in that regard, um, the, the set list gets changed the next night. Quite honestly, we know this, this, some, whatever happened here, their, their, their attention was broken by this one, bit that we put in sometimes that can be an older song too by the way but but anyway but more likely it's a newer piece the great thing about the younger um section of the audience is they're far more like yourselves they're far more open to yeah let me hear something you're doing right now because i you know i wasn't there when you when the band was doing all this material in the past and and i'm not i'm not entirely married to that era of the band because it's tied to my youth and tied to the memory of you know the first time i you know stole an eight track out of a car whatever well you know what has a lot to do with that it's it's um i have a i have a nine-year-old and she sometimes comes to me with songs she's heard yeah and you know, doesn't didn't hear it from a radio or, or or anything. Doesn't know it's a hit. Doesn't know if it was a hit. And sometimes it's a humongous song from like the seventies. Something. Yeah. And she's listening to it like, and I go, "Where'd you hear that? Oh, on YouTube." I'm like, "I like it. Can we listen to it? Great, absolutely. You know, and doesn't know, doesn't care if it's trendy, popular, new, no. old. Doesn't matter. No, that this is you know we 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 lament a lot of the the downside of the internet and what it did to the music business. Let's put it that way, uh, for a while. But there's a gigantic upside, and that is that, like your daughter, people can. You hear the name Led Zeppelin, you don't know what the hell it means, but you go, okay, Led Zeppelin. Oh, take out the A. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. And then suddenly you hear Black Dog, and you suddenly go what the hell this is this is on fire it's this uh, and it just you you can feel it and it's i i do say i don't know why we were so surprised by this i think it's because we were kind of um almost programmed to believe that that the popular music we had it was very transient and it wouldn't last okay but i remember listening to 
you know, when I was like in the seventies or, you know, learning, you know, really going through my pianos, I remember listening to ragtime music when it was about at that point, maybe only about 50 years old and being really, you know, drawn to it, you know, and, and feeling like I gotta, I gotta learn, I gotta figure out what this is. I love the feeling of this, I love the, what it's evoking. Why wouldn't that happen now with rock music that from, let's put it from 1950 to 2000, let's say, carved out those 50 years of of music on the planet and what it really, where it went when electricity was introduced to it and how a small combo can make a big sound and make a big statement that people could really um, be pulled in by. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that's why uh, you have songs like Carry On Wayward Son or Come Sail yeah. Away or yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody or, yeah. you know, that's why they keep appearing every every 15 years to new generations. They keep coming yeah. back. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly yeah. I think I'd also say that melody, if I, if I was going to wave the flag for rock about what it is that has stuck with people, I think there's just some great melodies in there and, and melody goes into our brains in a in a different area where the abstract begins to take over and suddenly you you in the mysterious language of music you connect yourself somehow to that melodic phrase and once it's in there it won't leave you know so it's like it's like part of our dna at that point right yeah yeah it becomes very important it becomes very emotional when you guys hit that crescendo live on that particular moment you know it's just you know, it's, it's, it's a highlight in a night of highlights. It just, it, um, yeah. it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. And it, no wonder this stuff keeps coming back. I mean, the cream rises to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you guys planning on, uh, making any more, uh, new albums and new music? Is there anything sort of down the line? We, uh, you know, okay. So we're planning on blasting ahead for the next 50 years and doing the same thing, you know, like trying to, you know, see where, where the music of sticks and, and this, you know, what classic rock is now or what rock is to us now, how far we can extend that. The realities of life are going to, are going to intercede <laughs> at some degree. And we're going to have to face that at some point. But until then, it seems to me like we're really pushing on the accelerator far more than even touching the brakes. If I could use that analogy, uh, we, we really feel, we feel we're kind of on a, on a new role now, you know, and, um, defying the, uh, the the barriers that that, that age and, and uh, you know, uh, there's no kind of jaded um, thinking or or in any way in the band at all. It's when it comes to the music that we can do, et cetera. If, there, if there's any area of that where there's some sort of crotchetiness, it would just be about having to deal with the airlines and getting getting on flights. <laughs> It has um, I, I know you I know you got to run. I just wanted to say that you mentioned Sound the Alarm. Uh, I yeah. thought during the pandemic, that was one of the songs that really just struck with me uh, yeah, a me lot. Yeah, I thought it was too. powerful. I thought I thought yeah. that whole album was maybe was during the pandemic why it hit me so well. But I, I just it, it was I really appreciated having that album at that time. That's it hit fair. us too. Crash of the Crown. When we we put it aside at first, when the lockdowns happened, and then when we went and listened, we realized we're really onto something here. It's, it's somehow miraculously connecting to the emotions that we're feeling, and 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 people are most likely going to be able to relate to. And it hit me that way. I wasn't part of the writing on Sound of the Alarm, but that was one of the songs that I was like, "This fits exactly what we're going through," you know. Yeah. So yeah. 
Well, listen, uh, thank you for giving us some time, uh, Lawrence. Really, it was a lot of fun uh, getting to talk to you and, and uh, go over all this stuff. It's great, and congrats with everything going on with the band. And uh, hopefully, you know, let's try and do the do the uh, the top five at some point when we get you back on again, and we'll we'll get make that happen. I, the top five, I, I did see that that you wanted to know that moving target for me. So I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it to you really quick, and we'll we'll close. <laughs> okay, let's do that. We'll get a chance to chat again. Speed round. Okay, so Renegades at the top of the list. It's my favorite one to do on stage, and it just has phenomenal legs. That song, Grand Illusion, would be my second one because I think it's a very prescient song that really. I, I love the lyrics of that of that piece, and it's got that little Beatlesque esque thing with the descending. You know, if you think you like this, right? You know, <laughs> love that little bit. Um, Crystal Ball. I re that's the first stick song I ever heard on the radio in Toronto, and I remember being pulled into it right away, thinking, "Is this what is? It? What band is this?" And then realized, "Wow, it's a progressive band, but not from Britain." So that has a lot of emotional connection to me. Uh, Come Sail Away, I think it's just a tremendous overall piece that, that just works. It's an epic piece. And then I'm going to kind of jump to, you know, blow my own horn with part of being part of the band, which is, I think this, the, the song um, Crash of the Crown is really strong. Part of what I think is so strong about it is all the, the previous four I mentioned, there are elements of all four of those in there. There are three lead singers. You get J.Y. at first, then Tommy, then myself. And I love the sharp twists and turns that that song goes through. And it really gives it in the short four minutes, a really, if I can use the word epic feeling live because the, the mood shifts so dramatically and which is what I love about progressive rock. And yet it's very accessible, you know, at the same time. So yeah, that, that, that was a really day. proggy type single for you guys to come out with, which I was, was really impressive. Yeah. I like the proggy. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy uh, the next show, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Let's do that. Great to Absolutely. talk to you guys. Thanks, Good luck, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye now. Thanks to Lawrence for the interview. You can catch him on tour. For more dates and information, visit sticksworld.com. We'll close with a bit of a song we talked about on the podcast called Sound the Alarm. For upcoming news, reviews, interviews, and more, please visit parkpart.com. Follow us on our socials. And you can subscribe to our podcast and all your podcast networks and visit us on YouTube. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Sound the alarm. Let the world around you know. The time has come for us to go. Is it too late to make amends? Sound the Hey, man.